Father, I pray that you would speak to us now, even as we share this short message in Jesus' name. Amen. I have titled this little sharing uh, this afternoon, Living in Expectation. As we bring our series on the theme for the year, what is our theme? Destined, destined for next level. Say that again. Destined for from which book? Isaiah 43 verse, verse 19. Let's go again. Isaiah 43 verse 19. It says destined for the next level. That's our theme for the year. And we've been having a series uh, from the second Sunday of the month, and we'll be bringing that to the end today, and then we will pick something else as the Lord enables us. But as I read that portion of scripture in the week, and as I looked at our present world and the things that are going on, I could not help, I couldn't help believing God's intervention. We need God's intervention in our world today like no other time because of the events that are happening. God calls the Israelites to praise him. He tells the heavens, sing for joy. The heart shout. The forest burst out in song. Why? Because of what the Lord is about to do, what the Lord was about to do. You know, and, and, and he tells them, sing in anticipation. Sing, you know, in expectation. Because I'm about to do something. And I believe the Lord is speaking the same words to us, especially as we think about the theme, the, the theme going to the next level, destined for the next level. If there is anything that we need, is to sing in anticipation of what the Lord is about to do. You never, and it has never happened, that a lady would give, um, give birth to a child they were not expecting. You agree with me? You become expectant. You walk expectant. You behave expectant. Isn't it? And then a baby comes. If it was not so, all the men would give birth. Men don't expect. So they never give birth. We got to conceive something of what the Lord is doing. We must be full of expectancy if we are going to give birth, if we are going to see what the Lord is going to do. And I share a few thoughts from this scripture that I see the Lord telling them straight in verse 23, God says he has redeemed his people, Israel. They, be, they had been sold off to the Assyrians, then to the Babylonians, and to the Persians. And, you know, uh, we are told the northern kingdom was the first to go. They went with the Assyrians. Later on, after about 100 years or so, the Babylonians came uh, under the leadership of Nebuchadnezzar, and he took the people away 
and they destroyed their country, the cities in Bant, Jerusalem in Bant. He left with the people. And then when they were in captivity, then the Babylonians were defeated by the Persians. And we find the Israelites are under regime after regime. Talk of being captured twice. The people who captured you first now are not the ones who are ruling over you. It was a double tragedy. But then the Bible says that rejoicing for joy because I have redeemed you. I have put you back. When the Bible talks of redemption, it talks of, you know, paying a penalty over, you know, a slave, over somebody who was sold, who was taken captive because of whatever reason. And then somebody comes and pays a redemption for them, pays the penalty, and then he redeems them back. And the Lord is saying, whatever debt, whatever beef that the Babylonians earned with you, I have paid. You know, they went to captivity because of their sin. The Lord sold them to captivity. But the Lord is saying that I've paid that penalty. I've forgiven you and I'm redeeming you. I'm bringing you back. He continues in verse 25. And he says, rejoice, praise. Sing, burst into song. Why? Because I, the Lord, defeats the scheme of human beings. The one that he uses there is that he foils the plans, the schemes of mine. He, he, he foils, rather. To foil is actually to frustrate the signs. He frustrates the signs of the false prophets. He makes divination, the divination of the diviners foolish. He overthrows the learning of the wise. You know, the ancient world invested a lot in wisdom, in learning. They invested a lot in human capital. You recall when, when, when uh, Daniel and the Hebrew boys were taken captive. The first thing is they were taken to this University of Nebuchadnezzar for three years. And they were taught the language, the literature of the Babylonians. And the idea was to prepare them to be advisors, if you want. They were like the cabinet team who were advising the king. Very wise. They got the enchanters. They got the astrologers. They got everyone who, who, who knew more than others. And they brought them together. And they were their advisors. It is the same when Queen, Esther, uh, Queen Versailles, you know, disobeyed the king. Again, we find a team of these highly wise people, among them Memkan, who advised the king that Queen Versailles has done a and disgraceful thing, not only to you, the king, but to all of us men. Let them be done away with, get a better one than now. And Esther came in. It was a world that had invested in human wisdom. These wise people, their work was to advise the kings. Their work was to advise on war. Uh, it was to help the king to rule. And now the Lord, you know, when the, 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 the Israelites were taken captive, 
a combination of these human schemes, machinations, <coughs> from witchcraft to the wise counsel, to human planning, a lot of human efforts and schemes and machinations and gone into defeating the Israelites. And the Lord says that I, I am going to defeat the schemes of human beings. I'm going to frustrate the signs of the false prophets. I'm going to make the, the divination of the diviners foolish. I'm going to overthrow the learning of the wise. As I think about our world, we are living in a time when we need the Lord to overturn the wisdom of the wise and the predictions of the false prophets of our day. We are living at a time when actually uh, many had prophesied that with the COVID-19, Africans will fall like flies on the streets. Do you remember that prophecy? The Lord has overturned that false prophecy. I mean, prophecy. Has he not done it? We're living at a time when actually people are using devices and means to check the population of human beings. Whether it is through vaccines or through contraceptives. Be careful, ladies, when you get medication next. A lot of these things are hidden. And we are finding more than any other time in my life as a pastor. I'm finding couples that are married, one year, no baby, two year, no baby, three year, no baby. And something is happening in our medical systems with perhaps these things hidden there. We are living at a time when human beings want to control humanity, to depopulate the world. We are living at a time even when men want to alter their DNA and determine the human genotype that they want to profile human beings. And they want to be the ones to determine who should live and who should die. To clone human beings and determine who is superior. To create a superior race. But I tell you the truth. The Lord is saying that I'm going to overturn the wisdom of men. I'm going to overturn the prediction of the false prophets. I am going to turn the wisdom of the wise and make it foolish. Praise the name of Jesus. Do you get encouraged? Do you get encouraged? How are you living in your own world? I don't know. I get perturbed. I get disturbed when I see statistics, when I see People receiving a vaccine and suddenly they all die. You know, many of them die. Not all. Many of them die. When I see vaccines labeled for Africa and others labeled for other countries, I ask myself, why? why? We, we all have the same blood. Why are there some designed specifically for certain places? But God is on the move. God is on the move. He is turning the wisdom of the wise into foolishness. Yesterday, I came across an article that gave me a lot of encouragement. They said today, in China, 
there are 100 million believing believers. 100 million Chinese know the Lord. They used to be underground. They are still underground. But now they are coming so boldly that in one church, there was a jam to get into that church. 100 million people will have the Lord. Just a few years ago, there was only 1 million. But the Lord is at work. Never mind that there are 1.3 or so billion Chinese. 100 million have turned to the Lord. They worship the Lord. God is at work. And God is defeating that communistic ideology. The Lord has overturned it. The Lord has defeated it. He continues to say in verse 26, he carries out the wants of his servant and fulfills their prediction. That's so important. He carries out, well, he overturns the words of the false prophets and the wise of this world. On the other hand, on the opposite, the flip side of it, he carries out the words of his servant and he fulfills their predictions. What this means is that you and I must decree the word of God. We must decree the word of God over our lives. We must decree the word of God over our children. We must decree the word of God over our families, over our businesses, over our health. We must decree the word of the Lord. For the Lord is going to carry out the words of his servant and fulfill their predictions. Praise the name of Jesus. Are you a servant of the Lord? Would you like to be one? Why wouldn't you be one and it is free? The moment you give your life to the Lord, the moment you commit yourself to follow the Lord, you become a servant of the Lord. And your word qualifies to be fulfilled by the Lord when you declare it. Do not listen to every prediction in the world. Do not listen to the statistics. Do not listen to all they are telling you. Decree the word of God over your situation. And the Lord will see to it that it comes to pass. Are we together? When you are sick, say, I will not die, but I will live. You declare the goodness of the Lord. If your children are wayward, say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If your husband is unbelieving, say, don't you know the word of God? The, 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 the believing wife will sanctify the unbelieving husband. Believe until he is sanctified. Declare the word of God. Know it. Hide it in your heart. As David would say, how can we, a young man, and even I'm sure an older man can keep their ways pure, but by hiding the word of the Lord in their hearts. Know it. Know it. Hide it there. Declare it. Speak it. The Lord will watch, who watches over his word, you make sure not a dot of it goes unfulfilled. Are we together? Are we together, church? If you have had nothing else for me, hear this. Decree the word of God over every situation. In your life. Fourthly, I am aware my time is gone. The Lord says, 
that Jerusalem shall be inhabited. The towns of Judah, verse 26b, shall be rebuilt. The ruins will be restored. You see, when Nebuchadnezzar defeated Jerusalem, he set it on fire. He left it in rumble of ruins. He carried away the, 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 the people to exile, the noble people, the kings, the learned, and then he, 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 he left the, the, the towns of Judah as ghost towns with the mad people, with the weak people, with the sick people. You know, anyone that he thought it was, he was useless, he left them defenseless, without leadership, he left them. But 70 years later, the Lord says and decrees that those towns will be rebuilt, those cities will be repopulated, and they will be settled, and Jerusalem will be restored in the name of Jesus. What this says to me is it doesn't matter how far Satan has ravaged your life and ravaged the work of the Lord. God is still on the throne. For he says in Isaiah 59 verse 19, when the enemy shall attack, then like a pent-up flood, the Lord will raise a standard against him. And I was telling the other service, it matters where that comma is. Note, if you go to Isaiah 59 verse 19, it depends on the version, the comma is after when the enemy attacks. Then the Lord, like a pent-up flood, he is going to raise a standard against him. In other words, it's not the devil who comes like a, a pent-up friend. It is the Lord who attacks him and hits him like a pent-up friend. A pent-up flood is flood that is restricted. It is not allowed to move. It is swelling. It is swelling because it is, you know, constrained. And then suddenly it breaks the bounds. And it moves. Oh, if you saw what happened, uh, the tsunami, and what happened actually in Akuru some two, three years ago, oh, my friend, that front carried everything and flattened anything on its way because it was at first, it was actually held back by these weak dams that were weakly built. And then the France swelled and swelled and swelled. And when it burst those weak barriers, it destroyed everything on its path. And this is a picture of what the Lord does. He comes like this front that has been restrained and constrained and suddenly past the banks. That's how the Lord hits the devil until he, he can never know what hit him. He only sees dust when the Lord intervenes on behalf of his children. Praise the name of Jesus. Then the Lord says, Jerusalem will be rebuilt. The cities of Judah will be repopulated. And this is what the Lord is saying. That the, it doesn't matter how long your life has been ravaged by then. When the Lord shows up like that front, he's going to throw the enemy into confusion. And finally, number five, he says, I will use my servant Cyrus. Cyrus was just a pagan king. 
There's no record that he ever turned to the Lord before or later. But this is the man that God says, I am raising and I'm going to use him for my purpose. In Ezra chapter 1, verse 1 to 4 says, in the first year of King Cyrus, the king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word the Lord had spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his reign and to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me the kingdoms of the heart and has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem. Listen to a pagan king. And he says, the Lord of heavens, whom he didn't know, he didn't have a covenant with that God like Abraham and, 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 and the others. But he says, God of heaven, he has given me the kingdoms of the earth and he has appointed me to build a temple for him in Jerusalem. And on and on, you can continue and read how he says, whoever is there, any survivors, now let them go and build. And those who are not going, let them supply them with the materials. A pagan king is being used of God to rebuild the temple. Let me tell you what this means to me. I stopped praying for the death of my enemies. I hope you don't pray for the death of your enemies. You know what I do instead? I pray that they may serve me. Praise the name of Jesus. Doesn't the word of God say that he prepares a table in the presence of, his, of your enemies? Doesn't the Bible say that? I'm about making your enemies live long so that they can serve you. So they can see the Lord doing wonders. God will use the unsaved boss to bless you. When they intend to sack you, the Lord will use them to bless you. And if they suck you, it will be a promotion to the next better job. Praise the name of the Lord. The Lord is going to use your auntie who is in witchcraft. And she is going to bless you instead. The Lord is going to use your neighbor who is so full of jitters of you to serve you. Sometimes they will do it willingly or unwillingly. They will do it knowingly or unknowingly. But the point is that they will do it. And the Lord will use your enemies to bless you. That is his word. If he could use sailors who did not know him, he can use anyone to be a blessing and to be the conduit through which he brings his blessings. Let me conclude this short sharing and say, if this is what God can do, if God can use a pagan king to bless you, if the Lord is saying he is going to overturn the wisdom of the wise and the schemes of man, if the Lord is saying that Jerusalem will be inhabited and the ruins rebuilt and restored, if the Lord is saying that he will carry out the wants of his servant and he will fulfill the produ their predictions. What does this mean to us? Number two, number one, I mean, I mean um, number one and two points. What this means is that 
the Lord is telling you and I to look up. Say look up. Say look up. Look up. When you hear bad reports, look up. When you get a doctor's report, look up. When you get a sucking letter, look up. When your debtors knock at you and they send auctioneers, look up. When the children fail in school, look up. When your husband is unfaithful, look up. When there is, you know, a relationship in your family are not working, look up. Because the Bible says when the children of Israel were journeying through the wilderness and they were attacked by snakes, the Lord laced a bronze snake. And he said, when these snakes attack you, they bite you, look up to the bronze snake. There is a bronze snake raised today. The name of that bronze snake is the Lord Jesus. Look up. Look up. Look up. If you die, die looking up. If you get defeated, get defeated looking up. If they auction you, look up. If you just, just look up to the Lord Jesus. Amen. Friends, second day and last day, hold on to faith. Hold on to faith. Cling to faith. With, with, I mean with hope. Just don't lose hope. Don't let hope go. Hebrews 10 verse 35 says, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. That one confidence can also mean hope. Do not throw away, away your hope. It will be richly rewarded in the name of Jesus. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. As I end this story, I mean, uh, this someone, I will tell you the story of this young man that I read about. They were somewhere, it was cold, and it was so cold, it was in the night. And this young man spotted an old man who was shivering, and of course, ready to die. It was melting, you know, ice, snow, it was so cold. And this young man thought, now, what do I do? This man will die. Let me just go near him and rub his body, my body against his body, keep him warm. You know, you know, we try to keep each other warm. He went to keep him warm. He rubbed his body with his body, massaged him, generated some heat, and he kept on doing that throughout the night, hoping that tomorrow when the sun will rise and will survive. And guess what in the morning? The old man and the young man were living, and the rest of the people undied of the cold. Why? This young man and the old man kept hope. They kept hope going. They rubbed at each other. They kept some warmth. Their bodies were a little active, and they lived. Keep hope. Even when the whole situation is hopeless. Keep hope like Sarah. When years have passed, keep hope. Keep hope. The enemy can rob you of everything else. But let him not rob you 
of hope in the Lord. Shall we arise?